Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you, and happy Father's Day. We celebrate God's goodness. Uh, I want to just say hello to anyone who's new. My name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm so glad you've joined us at Centerpoint, and and dads in particular. We we share a bond in carrying a a burden, a unique kind of burden, and it's right to take a moment and say to one another, keep going, and good job. And then for some of us, we're the whole issue of what's what's a dad and, and how it hasn't gone right for us. You know, this is a moment to be able to say, Heavenly Father, would you bring healing? where I need it, because it's kind of a sore subject maybe for some of us. It's okay to say so and invite God to be the healer that he is. Now, I have a message that I'm excited to share with you today, Unlikely Heroes Part 5. But first, I just I want to um, just share this morning I woke up and felt God directing my heart to, uh, to Psalm 34, verse 8. And this isn't the sermon for today, but I just have to share it with you. Like just this simple verse this morning that I was meditating on where it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed are all those who take refuge in him. And I was just reading these words, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And I want you to just catch the spirit of those words before we get into the message. And so maybe you could just say it with me. Say it, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say it. Taste and see that the Lord is Yeah, yeah. One more time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I feel like it's an invitation for some of us. For some of us, I mean, for me this morning, it was an invitation, like literally to come back to that place where I go, man, thank you, God, for the gospel. Thank you that my sins are forgiven, guilt is washed away, shame has been dealt a death blow, and I get to rise up in hope and victory in the power of the Spirit. I'm so grateful that you can, you can actually taste it and see it, that the Lord is good. Like, doesn't it feel good to know I'm forgiven today? I, I stand in the grace of God today. I live and I'm alive with the power of the Holy Spirit today. Like, I can taste it. I can see that he's good. I see it in you. I see it how he's moving in us. And I think it's right to declare it. Listen, listen, other things can catch your attention, can't they? Lots of other things. And most of the net effect is, right? Like, and I just think there's an invitation for someone today. Get your mind out of the stuff, right? Get it where it's going to be good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't want you to forward me any more videos about the end of the world. I really don't. I I want you to get your eyes on Jesus. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. (laughs) Okay, there's a goodness in recognizing any day of the week. Man, I'm good with God because of the mercy of Jesus. And I just got to shout about it. I got to say thank you, God, about it. Somebody join me right now and just shout, thank you, God. That I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. You say it. Thank you, God, that I'm forgiven. When we gather together, we're not gathering together just to have a sort of a a, a pep rally. We're gathering together to focus our hearts on the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's what this is all about. It's about the reality that Jesus came not to just be a good teacher, not to just say, here's some ideas, not to just preach pretty sermons, but he came and said, I'm going to take all of your sin, I'm going to take all of your guilt, because it's real. Sin is real, guilt is real, shame is real, and Jesus says, I don't want you to live under the burden of that. Let me take that. And guess where he took it? Boom, right to the cross. 
and he allowed it to be nailed there forever removed from you and by faith. And so we want to gather around together the cross of Jesus because beneath the cross of Jesus, it's a level playing field, isn't it? Like every single one of us who discovers, man, I'm willing to admit I'm a sinner and I need mercy. Guess what? There's mercy of every kind for every kind that it's needed. I'm so grateful that you can taste and see that the Lord is good. Just say it again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody outside, say it louder than the ones inside. Say it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Woo! Ah, oh, man, I don't know. I can't just settle down and, and be quiet when I start thinking about how good God's been to me. So let's, let's get into the scriptures. I'm going to take you to, to Acts chapter 9, but while you're making your way there. So I, I, my wife has been gone for the last, uh, you know, since I've gotten back from Africa, she's been in Africa on a mission trip. So I've been home alone, and I, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, I could eat Chick-fil-A every single night. <laughs> All right. On the other hand, it might be good if I actually cook some decent food. And I'm not that much of a chef, so I started thinking, well, what would I make if I was going to actually make some decent food? And I thought, you know, at, um, at the, the squaw bread place, the, the um, Cheesecake Factory. The, the Cheesecake Factory, they have, somebody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so Cheesecake Factory, my favorite thing over there is the chicken marsala. And man, it's so good. And it's one of those only at the restaurant kind of dishes. And I decided I'm going to take that on. I'm going to learn how to make that. So I got, a, I got a, a video and a recipe and, and I discovered like, oh, to make that, first of all, you got to uh, pound out that chicken, like pound it out. I'm thinking, mm, I got a hammer. I'd like to use it. I'll do that too. James, I got a hammer. I'll take it to the chicken. And, and I, I, then I discovered, well, you need some special ingredients. And it calls for uh, marsala wine and sherry wine, two different kinds of wine. And I didn't have that. And so I decided, well, I'll zip up to the grocery store. And I went to the grocery store, and I, I went straight to the wine aisle. And, and I'm just walking up and down in the wine aisle, like, trying to wonder, where would marsala be over here? And, 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 and I don't know. And so I do a second couple of passes. I'm like, well, here's the reds. We've got the cabernets. We've got the pinot noirs. We've got the whatever else, Merlots, and with no Marsala, where is it? And I get the white wine section, and I'm looking, and it's like, you know, Sauvignon Blanc or whatever it is, and no sherry, and and I do like a fourth pass. I'm pulling bottles off the shelf, and I'm like putting them in my arms, thinking, well, maybe I could use this if I don't find the Marsala. It says it's sweet. I don't know. And, and, And then I notice it's like 15 minutes into this deal. There have been a couple of center point people that have kind of passed right on by. Yeah. And, and, and then I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so I, I finally round the corner, and I, and I find there's where the cooking wines are. And they're right there, like Marsala, Sherry, boom, right? And it wasn't that hard. But once I got those bottles, then I saw this, this CP friend come around the way. It's Joy, who, who owns Black's Towing. And, and she's, she had seen me a couple of minutes ago. And, and I ran up to her. I'm like, hey, Joy, I got my cooking wine here. <laughs> I had to make a point. It was I want to try to make chicken marsala. See, marsala. Because I wanted to make sure, right? I wanted to make sure the record was set straight. Because sometimes we're known more by what we do than by what we say. And so I wanted to talk about what I was really doing. And I want to take you to the scriptures in the book of Acts chapter 9. And I want to introduce you to an unlikely hero, but... First, I'm, we're going we're gonna to get reacquainted with someone from the scriptures that we know, and we know him as the Apostle Paul, but at this time, he is known for what he's doing, and what he's doing 
is he's killing Christians, persecuting Christians, and imprisoning Christians. That's literally what he was doing. He went by the name Saul at that time, and there would come a time when he would be very much known for what he would say, because God worked through him to, to bring the entire, half the New Testament. But at this time, he was known for what he was doing, which was persecuting the early church. So, so it's Saul who becomes Paul. And, and as we're getting to Acts chapter 9, we're going to turn there in a moment. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Here's kind of the backdrop. The, the, the resurrection of Jesus changed absolutely everything. And then a movement began of people turning to Jesus, being healed and saved and delivered and filled with the Spirit of God. And it, it changed Jerusalem. And people were, were growing, and this movement was growing by the thousands. And, uh, and it was a very Jewish movement. At this moment in time, the beginning of, of the, of the fir first followers of Jesus was very much a Jewish experience. And it was happening in Jerusalem. But God's idea was that it would go far beyond Jerusalem. And in order for that to happen, there needed to be some changes in some people's lives. And... Uh, while the church was growing, the leaders from the temple and the leaders from the Pharisees were saying, this is not good. We do not want this thing uh, gaining any ground. And so they uh, deputized people like this guy Saul to go out and capture the Christians and throw them in prison and, and flog them and beat them and sometimes beat them to death. That was what was actually happening. And so that's the backdrop for what we're uh, diving into in Acts 9, chapter 1. So if you're there, just say Amen. All right, Acts 9, 1. So, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Wow. This is a pivot moment, if there ever was one, because you've got Saul out there ready to uh, capture those Christians, and Jesus Christ appears to him. And, and it's, it's interesting, because usually when you you see people having an experience, a holy encounter with Jesus. He brings something to their life that blesses them. And, and in particular, we hear about Jesus healing the blind. Except for in this moment, he leaves this man blind. Doesn't that kind of rock your world at all? Like just to, to see that, that Jesus, in this case, leaves this man blind. Because he's willing to do that. He's willing to do that. He is willing to do that if that's what it's going to take to get this man's attention and engage him in transformation. 
And by the way, I want you to hear this. This is what Jesus Christ is desiring to do in our lives, to get a hold of us by any means necessary in order to engage us in transformation. His desire is not to just leave you how you were, but to receive you as you are and then change you into someone more than you could ever imagine, made brand new by the power of the cross of Jesus. This is what he's after. It's what he wants to do. And he does it with Saul in this moment. And you know what I'm glad about? I'm just glad that he did it for Saul. Because can you think of anybody more untouchable, more, no, heck no, leave him alone. We don't have room for him. We don't want him. And our... God says, yeah, that, yeah, I like that guy. I want him. Doesn't that give somebody some hope today to know that this is the perspective of Jesus? It's okay. <laughs> you, you're out there crushing the churches and killing the Christians. Let's take a walk together. I want to do life with you. I want to work with you. I see something powerful and golden in you. And let's go. This is my Jesus. This is my Jesus, the one who says to anyone and whoever, I got a place for you. I got a, a desire to work with you. I've got a vision for what can happen with your life. Somebody should shout right now, thank you, Jesus. That's what you're like, that he's like that, because he's like that towards you too, isn't he? Yeah. Didn't he come into your life at some point when, when, when you were far from uh, picture perfect, when, when you were in need? And the Bible I read says that at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, and he did it for you, he did it for me. And he's in this moment showing up for what we know as Paul, but in this moment, he's still Saul, Saul. But what happens with Saul, to me, is an indication of what I hope would happen in me. And this is what I mean. Saul experiences this encounter with Jesus, where Jesus, in a mind-blowing way, shows up and rocks his world. But Saul, in this moment, he has an openness to what Jesus really wants to say. He has a lot of preconceived notions about what has to be and how things should go. But in this moment when Jesus shows up, he has an openness to receive. And then when Jesus says to him, go into the city of Damascus, and then you're going to be told what to do. What happens next is that Saul goes into the city. Here's what I see. I see that Saul is in this moment where there's, a, there's a, an encounter, a, a truth that's being brought to him, a, a truth encounter where Jesus says, who, who do you think I am? I'm Jesus. Let's talk about the reality of who I am. And there's a, a moment where Saul has a choice. He can choose to dig in his heels and say, no, I'm, I'm not open to this, this thing that Jesus is really trying to do. I don't want to be transformed. I don't want to go on a journey that would require any obedience of me. No, thank you. He could have. I want you to see that for what it is. This is a moment in time where a person has a choice to either say, I'm open to receiving from you, God. And then, and then I'm, I'm willing to be responsive in obedience to you, God. Or not. You know what? I think that kind of thing is actually possible for any of us almost any moment. <laughs> to either be living in a moment where I say, God, I'm open to receiving from you, and, and I'm willing to respond in obedience to you. And this is a declaration I want us to get our minds around together today. This is kind of the framing declaration for this message, and it's just simply this. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God with obedience. And I want you to just say this with me a couple of times. Ready? Go. Say it. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God 
with obedience. Say it one more time. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. I receive from God in openness. And that is, as I read his word, he might bring conviction. He might bring redirection. He might actually say, I know you think it's supposed to be this way. I know you've received a message from lots of other people and the world around you that is supposed to go this way. But I am saying it's different. Do we actually have an openness to what Jesus wants to say in defining our lives, in redirecting our steps? Do you have a a real openness to a spiritual encounter with Jesus? And would you be willing to be responsive in obedience? Because he just might say, I'm going to ask you to walk to a new place. I'm going to ask you to go in a different direction. I'm going to ask you to line your life up with what I say instead of just what you want. How about that? And so, so one more time, I want you to just get your mind around this declaration. Let it sink in a little bit. I receive from God with openness. Say it one more time. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God with obedience. So so that's what happens with Saul. God speaks to him, and he's got this choice. Do I dig in, keep closed, and say no? Or do I go? And it says he gets up, and he goes to Damascus. Okay, so that happened with Saul. That in and of itself is already amazing. And I've preached on that many times. But what comes next, I haven't really talked about as much. But what comes next is that he does go to Damascus, and God's doing something over in the city of Damascus, too, to get something ready for where Saul, who's now becoming Paul, is about to show up. And here's what it says. So we keep reading Acts 9, uh, verse, uh, verse 10. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Would you just read that first verse with me? Say it. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And I'll keep reading. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying, and in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. This is powerful prophetic stuff. I mean, can you even imagine receiving a vision that precise? I mean, God gives him the street name that he needs to go to. God shows him the actual house and the name of the household owner. And God shows him this person who's going to be in that house. And God shows him what he's actually going to be doing in that moment. And God shows him even what is being revealed to him spiritually. That's crazy. God can do that. Yes, God can do that. And and I want you to see this. While God's doing something over here, working in this person's life, God's working over here, getting ready to make a a connection that's going to change everything. Do you believe that that's only a once and done thing for the book of Acts? Or do you believe that it might be true that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that it just might be that in your life, too, he's at work. He's at work in ways that you can't quite see the fullness of to even create moments of connection with other people that might pull you along, pull you further into the destiny he has for you. And, and so God reveals something powerful to Ananias, but I want you to recognize who we're, who we're being introduced to. This is the unlikely hero I want you to get to know, Ananias. Everyone say his name again, Ananias. And what we just read, and we read it out loud together, it just simply says, a disciple named Ananias. A disciple. He's, he's not a priest from the temple. He's not a leader from the Pharisees. 
He's not a, a, a synagogue leader. He's not a teacher from the temple courts. He's not a rabbi. He doesn't have any of the titles that other people might usually look to to be, you know, but he's a disciple. Everyone say, a disciple. I just want you to recognize this, that, that God delights in taking hold of the life of anybody who's willing to set ego aside and simply say, here I am, Lord. <laughs> here I am, Lord. And in the King James, that's the phrasing of his response to God. Here I am, Lord. <laughs> in, the, in the IV that we're reading, it's yes, Lord. But that disposition of a disciple, what is a disciple? And are you one? Because yeah. the earliest followers of the way, the, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus, the earliest followers were called by this name, disciple. And to be a disciple of Jesus means I am learning the way of Jesus. I'm learning how to say yes to what he says in my life rather than to whatever my flesh desires. I'm learning from Jesus how to live by the power of the spirit and the victory of the cross. I'm a disciple, and so I'm learning how to take the wisdom of the kingdom of heaven and live it out a little bit more tomorrow than I did today, hopefully. As a disciple, I'm here, and I'm, I would like to be here, but he's okay with working with me as I just make some steps in that direction, and I'm a disciple. And as a disciple, sometimes I take a couple steps forward and I fall back down, but he reaches out his hand and he picks me up and he says, I got you. Let's keep going. I'm a disciple. And I'm grateful. Come on, somebody say it. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. Ananias, this unlikely hero, he, he is powerful and mighty in the story of the kingdom of God. He, what happens with this man is an absolute hinge point for the unfolding of the kingdom of God. But where it comes from is the heart of a man who, who's, who's a disciple. And, and if you are a follower of Jesus, I pray this will be true of you all your days, that you would, you would say, I'm a disciple. I, I'm submitting myself to Jesus and his ways and his revelation and his le leadership, his lordship in my life. And that means something. That means he gets to call the shots and I'm going to learn how to go his way. Even when I want to do something different inside and I'll feel it, and he says, no, but I'm pulling you this way by faith, I go. And so Ananias lives this way. He's a, a disciple, and he's receptive. Verse 10 again, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord, say, say the last part out loud with me. Say, the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. Yes, Lord. I believe that our willingness to be yes, Lord, kind of people is what unlocks the possibilities to be used by God in a mighty way to establish his kingdom in, in, in a deeper rootedness than ever before. And God speaks to him in a vision. What I recognize about God speaking in visions is that usually it comes after a moment or a time of of devotion to God's word, the Bible, and that visions come as I, as I spend time in the presence of God. I'm praying not to check off a box, but to be in God's presence. Visions come as I'm, as I'm seeking the Lord. And so here's what I know about Ananias. He's called a disciple here, but guess what? This episode that we're reading about, it's recorded three times in the book of Acts. It's here in chapter 9. It shows up again in chapter 22. It shows up again in chapter 26. It's that important. 
And in chapter 22, when it's talked about, it says about Ananias uh, that, that he was a man who's devoted to the word of God and prayer. Like that, that was what was said about him. He's devoted to the word of God. And he had a good reputation. That means that he was walking rightly in God's sight. And, and all of that works together for him to become a kind of a person that God could speak to in a vision. A vision so precise. Do any of you desire that? Yeah. Do any of you desire to be the kind of person who's spiritually alive to such an extent that God could speak to you with specificity like he did with Ananias? Yeah. <laughs> like, here's, here's the street you go to. Here's the household that you're going to. Here's the person's name that's going to be in that household. Here's what he's going to be doing when you get there. And here's what's going to be going through his brain. Like, amazing, right? That's not just for Ananias, though. I believe that this is something that, that God would desire to stir up, is a, a willingness of us to be open to receive from God in, in supernatural ways, in ways that are birthed by the Spirit, in ways that allow a breakthrough to come for somebody else that brings glory to God. Like, this is how we're meant to live. And how do you get there? You get there by being the kind of person who, who is like Ananias, as it's described in Acts 22, 12, devoted to the word of God. And you spend time reading that scripture, taking it in and pressing into the presence of God and making deliberate time to say, speak to me, God. Speak to me, Lord. And look what, look what happens. God speaks to him, and something miraculous unfolds. So again, I want to declare this again. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God with obedience. Say it with me. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. And Ananias pressed in. And I keep reading Acts 9 and verse 13. It says, Ananias spoke back to God and said, Lord, ah." I've heard about many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem and how he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know what I love is the, is the dynamic interplay between Ananias and the Lord at this moment. I mean, do you catch it? God is revealing what needs to happen, and Ananias comes back and says, yeah, uh, God, I think you got the wrong guy. Sorry. I think you got the wrong guy. But you know what's amazing is that God allows for that between us and him, is that we're, we're allowed to push back sometimes. When we get a sense that God is speaking, but we're not sure, I'm not sure if I, if I like that. I don't know if I agree with that. I'm not sure if I, if I can accept that. And what about, and, and God can handle it. Yeah. I love that he can handle it. The, the moments where we're wrestling, where we're not sure about what he's saying and the direction he's giving, he, he, he doesn't condemn Ananias for it. He allows the space for it. I'm so grateful that that's what my God is like. I'm tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Because I've had some tug of wars. I've had some moments where I feel like God's saying, this is what, this is what you need to do. And I'm going, no, wait, no, that doesn't make sense on paper. Well, I thought that. And, and, and then ultimately, God directs. And, and, and what I want to do is I want to receive from God with openness. And then I want to respond to God with obedience. And, and so this is what happens 
with Ananias is, is he does that. He, he does that. He receives, and then he responds. Verse 17, we keep going. It says, Ananias went to the house. I got to say that again. Ananias went. There's the obedience. And keep it on the screen for a moment. I don't think that he was probably feeling all that excited. I think he was probably feeling a little bit afraid, probably a little concerned about what could happen. And I mean, he's dealing with the number one persecutor of Christians, walking right in to talk about praying for him to get healed. But he went. Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and at once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. But I want, I want to zero in on this. It said something like scales fell from his eyes, and that needed to happen. His journey of transformation was nowhere near complete, and for it to really take place, it needed the hands of an Ananias, a willing servant, to say, I'm here, and I won't keep you at a distance. I'm willing to come up close and personal. I'm not going to consider you as untouchable or deplorable. I'm going to be willing to enter into your life, and I'll lay hands on you. And then something like scales fell from his eyes, something like scales, something like scales. When it says something like scales fell from his eyes, it speaks of, of an issue of perception being transformed. When it says something like scales fell from his eyes, it speaks of a, of a new way of looking at things and taking things in. And scales still need to fall from people's eyes. Scales need to fall from people's eyes. There are scales in people's eyes that keep people from seeing Jesus correctly. And the scales keep people from seeing Jesus for who he really is as the Lord who gets to shepherd me and guide me and say what goes and what doesn't in my life. The scales that keep me from knowing Jesus as Lord of all need to fall. There are scales that keep people from seeing the word of God correctly. Scales that keep people from seeing the word of God as what it really is, the authoritative eternal truth from the throne room of God meant to disrupt and challenge my life, not something that I could pick and choose and cherry pick what I want from. The scales need to fall. There are scales that keep people from seeing the church correctly that need to fall. The, the scales that keep people thinking the church is there to be an affinity affirmation club for me. No, it's not. Those scales need to fall. The church is meant to be the gathering of disciples, people who are learning to say, yes, Jesus, and no to my flesh more and more. The, the scales need to fall. Would you just say it? The scales need to fall because we need to see correctly. We need to catch a, a pure glimpse of who he really is as Lord. We need to begin to see truly the word of God for what it is, something that's meant to mess with me for my good and to push me into a destiny that I might have ignored or not even been aware of. I, I need the scales to fall to see the church as what it's meant to be, and a mighty army of disciples who are rising up to learn to live out the love of Jesus in holiness and in increasing yielding to him. This 
scales need to fall. These scales need to fall. And they fell. And they fell because of the willingness of Ananias to show up. Ananias, if you think about it, he could have said, uh, no, uh, those people make me uncomfortable. Those, that Saul guy, he's nasty. He's killing Christians. He's persecuting Christians. And I'm not going anywhere near him. I'm going to just stick over here. I, I, got my, I got my people from the upper room. We're tight. <laughs> we sing the same worship songs. We, we, we know how to say amen at the right moments when someone's praying. It's awesome. You know? He could have. But the courage, the courage and the willingness and the openness of his heart to say, there's room. There's room in the kingdom of God for someone like that, 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 that Saul. Yeah, he's going to need to be transformed, but God's calling me to go. And he, and he goes. He lays hands on him, and he says, Brother Saul. He's, but listen to what he said in verse 17. He said, Brother Saul. Verse 17. Brother Saul, God has sent me here to you so that you may be healed and, and so that you may see again. And he says, verse 17, and so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say this again. Verse 17. Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias knew what was going on with this man Saul. In Acts 22, the other place where the same thing is recorded, it says that Ananias, it says he, he knew that God had called this man, Saul, who was becoming Paul, to know the Lord, to hear his voice, and to see the Holy One. That's what it says. Ananias knew. And that then, this guy, Saul, who was becoming Paul, was going to be the one to take the glory of God in Jesus to the nations. And Ananias is looking at him and saying, you are so far right now from that, it's not even funny. And the only way you're going to get there is you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And you know what I love is Ananias represents what we would call the early church. And, and that early church, they did not have the New Testament yet. They didn't have leather-bound Bibles they could carry around. But what they had was, I know Jesus conquered death, and I got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. They had the upper room experience. Ananias, my guess is he, he might have been one of the ones in the upper room, or he knew someone who was. But that happened months before, just months before. And he knew, man, this is how the world gets changed. It doesn't get changed just by anybody's cleverness. It's not going to be enough that this guy's smart. He needs the Holy Spirit. Saul, I'm here because, you. yes, you're a, you're a Pharisee, and you know all of the, the scriptures from the Old Testament, but you need way more than that. You need the Holy Spirit. And you know what's... You know what's true? All of us need the Holy Spirit. To live in this life in victory and to overcome the enemy's schemes and tactics of the devil, we need the Holy Spirit. And we don't just need the seal of the Holy Spirit, not just the degree to which we're marked in him for, for, for eternity with a seal, but we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so Ananias recognizes this. This is how we do it. This is how we overcome. This is how we live in victory. This is how we deal with all the garbage that's coming our way it, it, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Saul, let me place my hands on your head. I'm praying that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And you know what? We don't get the details on all that happened in that moment, but what we do know is he was changed. The great apostle Paul was born. And he did become known for what he was doing. And what he was doing was turning the world upside down for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and me are here today uh, in part because Ananias went to this guy Saul and laid his hands on him. A disciple called Ananias. This is what I hope you take out today. God can work through any person who would say, I am a disciple of Jesus. It's not about a title. It's not about a platform. It's about an anointing from God. And it's about a calling from God on your life. And it's about you having an openness to receive from God and then a willingness to respond in obedience to God. So let me lay that out there one more time, the declaration of this message that I hope that you'll carry out uh, with me uh, today, that you would say it again. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. Say it with me. Go. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. This is what we saw in the scriptures, a double layer of it. In verses 1 through 9, it was Saul receiving with an openness and then responding in obedience. And then in verses 10 to 20, it was Ananias receiving with openness, responding in obedience. And then it was Paul again, receiving with openness and responding in obedience. This is the pattern for victory in the kingdom of God. Just say it again. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to receive from God with openness, and I will respond to God with obedience. Say it again. I receive from God with openness, and I will respond to God in obedience. I pray we get there in the power of the Holy Spirit. I know some of you are still wondering. You have a very important question. It's still on your mind. You want to know, how did my chicken marsala turn out? You've been wondering. <laughs> I'll tell you. So I, I, I invited my son and his girlfriend over at, for dinner, and uh, I made that thing. I made it. I told him exactly the time to come, and I had put that marsala, that sherry. I had pounded that chicken so thin, and, and it, when it was in the frying pan, I was looking at it with the mushrooms and everything. I'm like, bang, that, that looks good. Like, I just thought it looked really good, and, and then I, I put it on their plates right before them, and I just watched, you know, like... Watching, watching, and I saw her cut in and take the first bite, and then I saw the eyebrows rise, and then I heard the sounds coming, mmm, and I was like, ah, I nailed it, I did this, I did it, I made the chicken masala. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> what, I, what I want you to see is that, is that when we take steps and move towards something that God is calling us to, he allows his power to come and the goodness to come through it in ways that never would have happened if we would have stayed stuck in a place of closeness to what God wants to really show us and the steps he's calling us to actually take. So I want to pray for, for you today. For somebody, you're a believer, and I want to pray for you today that God would change you, that, that you would become a person with a greater openness to receiving from God. Like Ananias, it says he, he heard from God in a vision. I'm praying that after today, some of you would have something rising up inside of you going, I want that. I want to be that kind of believer, like that we're, I could hear from God in a vision. And I'm going to tell you he's willing to do that for any one of us. You, do, you devote yourself to his word and his presence, he's going to start revealing things to you and it's going to be amazing. Maybe one day, some of us will start getting some prophetic words as, as clear as the one that Ananias got. 
I'm praying for, I want to pray for some of you today that God would fire you up into an openness of receiving from him in a new way. And then others of you, I'm praying for you today because the, the truth is you, you don't know where you stand with God and there's a way to be right with God and it's through faith in Jesus. Here, John, I want you to hear this. In John chapter 3, we always go to John 3, 16, God so loved the world. And I love that. But John 3, 18, Jesus is still speaking and he says this. He says in John 3, 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Again, the first part of it, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Would you read that first part out loud with me? Say it. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. I'm going to keep that on the screen for a minute. I need you to take it in. Whoever, whoever, whoever. And I checked in my Bible, and guess what? There was no asterisk where you go to the bottom of the page that says, except for those people, and them, and especially you. you know? There's no asterisk. It's whoever. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Hey, there may be some transformation that's going to be needed. There may be some sanctification that's going to be needed a whole lot of. But nevertheless, the final word of Jesus is whoever believes in him is not condemned. So I want to invite somebody today to put your faith in Jesus, to, to put your belief in Jesus that you would say today, I believe in him to be my savior and my Lord, the one who has taken my sin and my shame and my guilt and paid for it. I believe in that. I'm putting my belief in Jesus today to save me. As you do that, the promise from scripture is whoever believes in him is not condemned. I just want as many people as possible to get a chance to experience a no condemnation, freedom in Jesus Christ kind of a life. And so for somebody today, man, I'll pray for an awakening for you. So we're praying for believers, some of us as believers, that truth is we just need to become on, more on fire with an openness to receiving from God. And I'm praying for others of us that just don't know where we stand with God. I want you to know how you can be right with God by a simple moment of believing in Jesus. And so let's take a moment. We'll just pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for chicken marsala. I thank you, God, for uh, making things possible that wouldn't be otherwise. I thank you, God, for, uh, for salvation. Thank you that we can taste and see that you, Lord, are good. And that the first taste of it is just the taste of the forgiveness of sins and, and freedom from guilt and shame and the hope of heaven. I'm so grateful for that taste. I pray, God, for somebody, God, for a spiritual awakening today. That for somebody, this, this would happen. Like right now, there would be a stirring and an openness to finally say, Jesus, I believe in you. That first step becomes for you an entry point into the reality of the kingdom of God. And, and like the Saul that we read about in the Bible, where he, he, he was at a crossroads and he, he had a choice. He could have remained dug in and said, no, 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 I'm not doing this Jesus thing. But he chose to say, yes, Jesus. For somebody, you have a moment right now where once and for all you can say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive you, save you. I hope you will. Because the Bible's promise is whoever believes in him is not condemned. I just want that for somebody today. You're at home joining us online. I'm speaking to you. 
You're sitting outside on our patio. I'm speaking to you. You're right here in this venue. I'm speaking to you. God, I pray for a spiritual awakening for somebody. But first, I pray for my believing brothers and sisters. That, that God, there would be a, a stirring. That some of us would say, I want to be like Ananias. Like where I could actually receive vision from God. That would be a part of transforming somebody else's life. If you're here right now, you're a believer, but you would say, man, that sounds like next level amazing, and I would like to experience that, like actually hearing from God and, and being used by God to reach other people so they could truly be transformed. If you're sitting here saying, that unlikely hero, I would like to catch some of that and be a bit more like that. I would like God to bring more of his fire into my heart so that I could be like that. If that's true of you as a believer, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you would say, I want to be more like that, more alive in God's presence to hear his heart, catch visions from him and be used by God to reach other people that they could be transformed, keep your hand up for a minute. Woo! God, I pray that your power would come on each one, Lord, with your hand raised. God, I pray that you would cause there to be a spiritual awakening, a stirring from the throne room of heaven, and just flowing into each one where there's that earnest heart to say, I do, I want to be used by God. I want to have more of a receptive heart to the things of God. I pray that the fire of God will come upon you right now. And this is what I see in the spirit. It's like this, uh, this wave of fire kind of coming across this whole venue outside, even at home, just a wave of holy fire from heaven, and, and there's an awakening, and it's happening inside of you right now, and it's not just so you can feel church feels on Sunday, it's so that you can be used by God to further his kingdom and help someone else experience his goodness, so right now, I want you to, with your hand raised, say, Heavenly Father, awaken me, just say it, Heavenly Father, awaken me, just say it again, Heavenly Father, awaken me, just say it again, stir in me a holy fire, stir in me a holy fire, God. A fire for your name, for your kingdom, and for your spirit. There's a place inside of me to hear from you. And this is what I see while your hand is raised. Okay, I, what I see is you becoming like Ananias. And it says in, in Acts 22, 12 that Ananias, it says he was devoted to the word of God. Devoted. He would just open the scriptures and spend time there. And so this is what I see. I see you doing that. Maybe it's at the end of the day or it's on your lunch break or it's in your car before you start driving. I see you. You open that, you shove that digital distraction aside. You open that Bible and you go, thank you, God, I hear you. You doing that. This is what I see in the spirit. And as you do it, like this is literally what I see. You open the scripture, words come off the page, and then fire igniting in your heart. That is what I see, and I'm proclaiming it over you. You have your hand raised right now. God's going to do this. But you, you've got to take a step to cooperate with what he's showing. So right now in your own heart, you decide, when? When is it? When is it that I'm opening that word and shoving the phone aside? When is it? Is it Monday morning? Is it Sunday night? Is it Tuesday middle of the day in your lunch break? When is it? You decide. You picture yourself right now in that moment, opening that word, taking in what God is showing you. And watch, holy fire coming. I believe for this. Thank you, Jesus. While we're praying together, I'll tell you this. A couple days ago, uh, I was driving my daughter somewhere, and then in the car, she said, yeah, Dad, so I was reading the Bible this morning, and I was reading Romans chapter 12, and it was talking about love, and dot, 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 the conversation continued, but you know what? Inside, I just began kind of weeping, and I got my Father's Day gift a little early. Just to hear my daughter talking about, yeah, in the morning, I was reading the Bible, and I got to Romans 12. This is what's missing from some of you, moments like that. And, and you, you can be changed, and it'll happen. 
Somebody who received that, just say, thank you, God, I received it. Father, I pray also for others. There's somebody here, God, that just needs to once and for all say yes to Jesus. And so I'm asking, God, that you would do the spiritual awakening that only you can do even right now. So somebody, you're tired of walking around with the guilt and shame of, of the shadows of sin. You, 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 you don't want to carry around that burden anymore. Well, guess what? Jesus is a burden lifter and a bondage breaker. And he's willing to do that for you today. And, and the scripture says whoever believes in him is not condemned. So do you want to say, Jesus, I believe in you? Because that changes everything. If you're sitting here saying, I want that, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me, right now just raise your hand. Raise it high. This is your moment of finally saying, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. Just lift your hand up, keep it up for a moment. There's a couple of you in the front and in the back right here. Thank you. Man, that's so good. And up in the risers, lift your hand real high. I want to make sure I can connect with you and see you. And if you're online, you just type it in. I want to say yes to Jesus today. Someone will pray with you even online. But those of you with your hand raised, I see you over here on my right. Just kind of keep it up. But pray with me and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I mean, it starts simple right there. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it again. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came into this world to take on the burden of sin and shame and guilt so it could be removed from me so I could be forgiven. I believe you paid the price in full when you died on the cross, and I believe, Jesus, that you beat death and you're alive. So I'm asking you to come into my life and be Lord, Savior and Lord, now and forever. Jesus Christ, I am yours. You could say that with me. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Jesus Christ, I am yours. And I think every voice could pray that prayer together. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Say it with me. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Affirm your faith together for a moment. Just say it. Jesus Christ, I am yours. Jesus, I'm yours. There's no place I'd rather be than in your presence, God. Father, thank you that you're speaking to us. You're moving here. And thank you, Lord, that in the passage of Scripture that we read, Ananias came in and laid his hands on a brother so that he could be healed physically and then transformed in every other way. And I pray, God, for your healing to take place at this altar at the end of this service, that some will come forward and be healed even, even as Saul was healed in that moment. Church, I want you to stand up together. Stand up together. I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. That's what we're doing in this, in this message. We're taking that from the scriptures, that direct application, that declaration. You can say it again, I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. It's the kind of person I want to be. One more time, I receive from God with openness, and I respond to God in obedience. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Our team's going to lead this, this song, and I want you to just make this declaration one more time that that he is good and awesome and what he can do. So take us there.